0: Well, good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together with you today. You may know that we are in week three of our series on the life of Elijah. And together, we've been exploring how Elijah relied on God. The first week, a couple of weeks ago, we saw how Elijah learned to rely on God's abundance. God announced through Elijah to the evil King Ahab of Israel that a drought was going to happen. And then immediately God sent Elijah into the wilderness where he was fed for a time by ravens that brought bread and meat to him every morning and again every evening. God also provided water from a brook for Elijah to drink. And then that brook dried up due to the drought. And so God sent Elijah to a widow in the town of Zarephath to be cared for. This widow had only a small bit of flour and olive oil left in her cupboard. It was only enough to make one final meal for her and her young son. They were going to eat it, and then they were going to wait to die because of the devastation of the drought. But God told Elijah that the flour and olive oil would miraculously keep providing throughout the rest of the drought. Elijah, the widow... And the widow's son relied on God to provide for them. And indeed, God did. Last week, we studied the amazing story of Elijah and the contest on Mount Carmel between him on one hand and the prophets of Baal on the other. We saw how Elijah learned to rely on the one true God. And we learned that running after idols like Baal and trying to rely on them is just a waste of time because they cannot provide anything that we really need. They don't hear us, and they don't respond to us. But relying on God and on God's power and his might is like having all the power of a mighty, mighty fire at our disposal. Because God does hear our prayers, and he does respond to us just like he did to Elijah last week. And so we're going to explore that theme in a little bit more detail today. We're going to look at how Elijah learned to rely on God through prayer. And I think that we will learn a few things from Elijah that we can apply to our own prayer life as well. I'll be reading today from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, verses 41 to 46. This part of the narrative happens immediately after that fire from God fell on Mount Carmel and consumed the sacrifice of the bull and everything around it, causing the Israelites to fall down and worship God. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go, eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant responded, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. What an amazing story. What an awesome next chapter to Elijah's story. As you can see, Elijah was learning to rely on God in lots of different situations. These stories about Elijah are exciting, and they are action-packed, and God acts in some powerful ways throughout them. And today, we'll see how God acted through Elijah's prayers. Now, I think it would be really easy for us to see Elijah as just another larger-than-life person who lived during Bible times, who was so beyond us that all we could ever hope to do would be to listen to the stories and think to ourselves, yeah, that doesn't really apply to me. But that's where we'd be wrong. Because James, in his epistle, tells us that Elijah was a man just like us. So if he was a man just like us, then... We ought to be able to apply what he knew about prayer to our own lives of prayer, too. Elijah prayed effective prayers. I mean, think about it. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain. He prayed that the widow of Zarephath's dead son would be raised back to life, and he was. He prayed that God would let fire fall from heaven and burn up the offering of the bull on Mount Carmel, and fire did fall. Elijah was effective in his prayers. And so what can we learn from Elijah about how to pray effective prayers and then to rely on God to answer them? Well, I think we can learn four things. And if you're taking notes this morning, you may want to write this down. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Remember, the showdown with the prophets of Baal had just ended, and I can only imagine how Elijah must have been on a spiritual high. I mean, God had answered his prayer in a big and mighty way there could have been no doubt in anyone's mind in Israel that the God of Israel was the one true God. Now, I don't know about you, but when we have super winning moments like that, I mean, when we are on a spiritual high like that, it can be awfully easy for us to get kind of puffed up about it, you know? To begin to take some credit for it or to feel superior in some way. But let's take a look again and see what Elijah did. Verse 42 Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Elijah assumed a posture of humility. He'd just been part of God doing a miraculous thing a little farther down the mountain, and he was overwhelmed, undoubtedly, by the power and the majesty and the holiness of God. He climbed to the very top of the mountain, perhaps so he could feel just a little bit closer to God. And then he bent his knees, fell to the ground, and put his head down between his knees He bowed down, and he humbled himself. We've seen Elijah humble himself before. Remember his prayer from last week? The contest had been agreed upon, and it was set. The sacrifices had been prepared, and first the prophets of Baal began to pray all morning long and then they danced around all afternoon, and they basically got themselves all worked up into a frenzy because their God didn't seem to be listening to them. Their God was not answering them. And then it was Elijah's turn to pray. Verse 36, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are calling their hearts back again. You see, Elijah humbled himself with his words He points everything to God, saying, in effect, bring glory to yourself this day, God. Let it be known without a shadow of a doubt that you are God and that all power and might and glory belong to you. God, I'm just your humble servant, but you are God, and you are calling your wandering children back to yourself this day. You see, we can humble ourselves before God with our posture and we can humble ourselves before God with our words. Now there are lots of different kinds of posture that one can assume in order to pray. How about you? Do you use some different postures depending on the kind of prayer that you're planning to pray? Do you experiment with different postures of prayer? The Bible records many different postures of prayer, sitting, standing, bowing, kneeling, laying prostrate on the ground, walking, dancing, beating on one's chest. Jesus himself used different postures when he prayed. Sometimes when I am going through a very, very difficult time and i wanted to express my total humility before God and my total reliance and dependency upon him, I have just laid prostrate on the ground as I've prayed. And in those extreme circumstances, sometimes I've used words and sometimes I have not had the words and the Spirit has had to intercede for me. And there are also times when I find kneeling to be the posture that I need when I pray, especially when I have a serious prayer concern I need to talk over with God or when I am confessing my sins to God. Then I find that being on my knees just feels like the right way to express my humility before God and my place before God. But other times I've walked as i prayed. I've walked through my neighborhood praying for people or thanking God for the various things that I see as I walk, and probably most commonly I pray as I sit or as I stand. Elijah fell to his knees, and he put his head down, I think, because it was time for the rain to come. And he realized that only God could end the drought and bring the rain. Elijah probably felt small and insignificant and inadequate in the face of Almighty God. He knew he was going to have to rely completely on God to answer this prayer. And so he humbled himself. I remember when my sister, Melissa, was nearing the end of her battle with cancer I had prayed so often and so hard for her that I felt like I had run out of prayers. There was nothing I could do as her brother to make her well again. And I knew that I had to fully rely upon God. And so I got down prostrate on the floor of my family room many a night, and without words, just humbled myself and let the Spirit pray to the Father the thoughts that were on my mind and the feelings that were in my heart." Effective prayers are humble prayers. And effective prayers are also specific prayers. If you're taking notes, that's the second point that you should write down, that effective prayers are specific prayers. Now the Bible doesn't actually record the words of Elijah's prayer this time. But I can just imagine what his prayer must have been, can't you? Elijah knew exactly what the nation of Israel needed because there hadn't been a drop of rain in three and a half years. Can there be any doubt what Elijah prayed for? He probably said, God, we need some rain. It's been three and a half years and we haven't had a drop. God, the land is dry as a bone. There are no crops and your people are suffering Miserably. Send rain. Let water fall on the earth. Pour down your life giving rain from heaven. James says in chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. And then continuing to write about prayer in chapter 5, James says this Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Is powerful and effective. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 7 ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Here at Anderson Hills, we believe in the power of prayer. Prayer is a part of our corporate worship together. We pray during the service. We offer prayer partners for you to pray with at the end of our services. We have prayer groups that meet throughout the week that are open to everyone. And for the past year or more, we've really been learning about healing prayer and what it means to offer all of the things that need to be healed in us, our body, our mind, our soul, to the Lord. This can involve getting ourselves in a place where we feel safe in the presence of Jesus so that Jesus can go to work in us. I've seen some amazing healing take place through this kind of prayer, and I've been privileged to hear many more stories about healing in the lives of others. Each of these specific healings remind me of a story I once read by Richard Foster. He was called to the home of a, a little baby girl who was ill. The baby's name was Julie She had a four-year-old brother who was there too. And so Richard Foster told the little boy that he needed his help to pray for his baby sister. He writes, he climbed up into the chair beside me. Let's play a little game, I said. Since we know that Jesus is always with us, let's imagine that he is sitting over in the chair right across from us and he's waiting patiently for us to center our attention on him. When we see him, we start thinking more about his love than about how sick Julie is. Jesus smiles, gets up, and comes over to us. Then let's both put our hands on Julie, and when we do, Jesus will put his hands on top of ours. We'll watch the light from Jesus flow into your little sister and make her well. Let's watch the healing power of Christ fight with the bad germs until they're all gone, okay? Very seriously, the little boy nodded. And together we prayed in this childlike way and then thanked the Lord that what we had prayed was the way that it was going to be. And then Richard Foster writes, I don't know exactly what happened nor how it was accomplished, but what I do know is that the next morning, Julie was perfectly well. You see, they prayed a specific prayer that Jesus would take away Julie's bad germs. Effective prayers are specific prayers. And we've seen Elijah practice this time and again. He prayed for God to restore the life of the widow's son. He prayed for fire to fall. And three and a half years before today's story takes place, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. Effective prayers are specific prayers. And effective prayers are also persistent prayers. Take note of that. Effective prayers are persistent prayers. Elijah has humbled himself. He has prayed a specific prayer for rain. And now he sent his servant to go and look toward the sea. Now, Mount Carmel is is near the Mediterranean Sea, Sea, near the town of Haifa, in modern-day Israel. And from the very top of the mountain, you can actually see the Mediterranean Sea. And just like here in the U.S., weather usually comes from the west to the east, off the sea, and onto the land. Elijah's servant went, and he surveyed the sky to the west, and he returned to his master and he said, there's no sign of rain. And what did Elijah do? Did he throw up his hands and say, well, I tried. I prayed once, and God didn't answer. I'm done. He sure didn't. Elijah prayed again. And again, he sent his servant to go and look for a sign of rain. Seven times this happens. Seven times Elijah prays for rain. Seven times the servant goes to look. And not once did Elijah decide that prayer doesn't really work. Not once did he decide that God wasn't listening to his prayers or that he didn't care about him. Elijah kept praying, and on the seventh time, the servant scans the western horizon, and there is a cloud beginning to form. Praying just once for something that we need is not what we are supposed to do. Jesus himself taught us this lesson, the lesson of persistent prayer, when he told the parable of the widow and the unjust judge. Do you remember that story? There was a widow in a town who was seeking justice, and even though the judge in her town was unjust, she kept going to him again and again and again seeking justice. And finally, he gave her justice because he just got so tired of her. Now, remember, Jesus was making the point that if this judge who was unjust answered the prayers of this persistent widow, how much more will God, whose very character is justice, give his children exactly what they need? I like a lot of different kinds of music. One of the artists that I have on my device is Helen Baylor. Anyone know her? She's a gospel singer who's been around for a long time, and on a live album of hers that I have, she shares her testimony. She says that at a very young age, she began singing in the church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where her grandmother used to take her. She loved the Lord, and she loved using her voice for God. She was singing in the adult choir by the time she was 11 years old. But at the age of 12, her parents moved the family to California. Her her parents were not believers. Helen's parents were in the music business, and often Helen would find herself in bars and clubs because that's where her parents were. There she met people who heard her sing, and by the age of 14, she was opening for people like Aretha Franklin and the Captain and Tennille. And at that early, young, tender age, she began to be enticed by money. She was making a lot of money. And by the fame and then eventually she was introduced to drugs and alcohol. And then she pauses in her testimony and she said, but I had a praying grandmother, a grandmother who prayed persistently, save my granddaughter. And one day, one year, probably about ten years later, at the very lowest point that Helen could get, when Helen thought she might be dying of a drug overdose, her grandmother's prayer was answered. As Helen slumped to the ground, she knew that something had to change. She came to her senses. She rededicated her life to Jesus, and she says that she was instantly delivered from her addiction. A grandmother's persistent prayer is powerful. Any persistent prayer is powerful. Finally, an effective prayer is an expectant prayer. And Elijah prays expectant prayers better than just about anyone. First, in verse 41, Elijah tells King Ahab to go eat and drink because he heard the sound of heavy rain. That's fascinating to me. There was no sign of rain. So how was Elijah hearing the sound of rain? Maybe God had given him such a clear vision of the coming storm that it was so real for Elijah that he could hear it. Or maybe Elijah had just learned to rely on God's promises coming true so much that he believed that it was true, even if it had not come to pass yet. Then later, when the servant finally sees a sign of rain on the horizon, he doesn't come back and report that the storm clouds are brewing. He doesn't see in the western sky that it's black with rain. He doesn't report seeing lightning and hearing thunder. He doesn't say, Boy, Elijah, we better batten down the hatches because the wind is really starting to kick up. No, he says that there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand. That's crazy. I mean, it sounds ridiculous. There's this tiny little cloud on the horizon. The servant doesn't expect what's about to happen, but Elijah sure does. He says, tell Ahab, run, tell him to cut his dinner short. He's got to get out of here and down to Jezreel before the chariot wheels get stuck in the mud. Mud, the servant says, we haven't had a drop of rain around here in three and a half years. But Elijah isn't listening anymore because he's already expecting the storm clouds. He's expecting the wind. He's expecting heavy rain, and it comes. Boy, does it come. The power of the Lord comes upon Elijah, and God supernaturally answers the prayers of his people. We have learned some things from Elijah today that can help us pray more effectively. We need to humble ourselves before God and approach him with a posture of humility. We need to be specific in our prayers, asking God for what we need. We need to be persistent in our prayers and never give up, remembering that sometimes God answers yes, sometimes he answers no, and sometimes not yet. I've known people whose prayers for their children were answered after 30 years of prayers So keep on praying and finally we've learned that we should pray expectantly expecting God to fulfill his promises expecting God to complete his will because God is faithful. So what is your deepest prayer this morning? What is your sincerest desire? What is your deepest need? Is it something for you? Is it something for someone you love? Is it something going on in our world? Or have you somehow stopped praying? Or do you need a booster injection into your prayer life? Bring your prayer to the throne of grace this morning. Lay it down before the Lord. Elijah was a person just like you and me, and God answered his prayers in amazing ways. God is faithful. He will answer you too, so let us pray like Elijah. Would you pray with me now? Holy God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you for the gift of prayer and that we can bring everything that's most important to us on our hearts and our minds to you. We thank you that you always hear us and you always answer us. We pray, dear God, that you might increase our faith that we might grow more and more in love with you and more and more into the likeness of Jesus so that our prayers will begin to match more and more the prayers that are on your heart and in your mind. Let us pray at one with your will and your ways. And Lord, answer our prayers for ourselves, for those that we love, for our neighbors, for our world this day, that the whole world would know that there is a God in this world who is strong and mighty and powerful and that we are your servants. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.